Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. I'm Omni. And I'm Saudi. And today starts our first episode of four of our true crime crossover about the Murdoch murders. Before we get started, I just want to do a quick disclaimer because of who we're dealing with. Everything said on this podcast is based on our personal opinions and theories based off of everything that we have seen that has already been published or read or listened to. I'm super stoked to do this. We have so much information. This episode in particular is going to be all about Stephen Smith. We get to actually say our theories on what we think happens. And then at the end, Saudi's going to do a channeling and get Stephen's side of the story. He's been actually trying to talk to you all week, right? Mm -hmm. Before I even started researching Stephen, I sat down and I started hearing a song in my head and it was a Barry Manilow song. Mm. And it was called Oh Mandy. Mm -hmm. And just the chorus was playing in my head. It was saying, you came and you gave without taking. Mm -hmm. And then I heard another line and it was, I'm standing on the edge of time. And I've never really paid attention to this song before. So of course I go on YouTube and uh, listen to the words of it. That was in the movie Can't Hardly Wait in like the early 2000s. So that's the only reason why. I know that I've heard it before, but I've never really paid attention to the words. And I thought he was trying to send me a message. So I listened to the entire song and it was still like, okay, well, I don't really understand where this is coming from, but I could feel his energy there. Mm -hmm. And so I Google searched Stephen Smith and then put Mandy beside it. Mm -hmm. And all the Google searches came up with Mandy, who's an investigator and she has a podcast and she's been... She was the first one to report on it too. She's amazing. So we're going to go over the whole story here. But if you want to hear the actual recordings of interviews and whatnot, she has all that. She's an investigative reporter. So it is very informational. We're not going to get that deep into it because we're a little different of a style than her. But definitely that put us on the right track. Yeah, I definitely felt like Stephen led me to her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, start here you know, with your research, because I didn't really know where to go. And that she's been so helpful to his mom yes. as well. And I feel like he's really grateful. Yeah, for that to her. Yeah. So that's where he wanted me to start. There's several documentaries on the Murdoch murders. And we're going to go in chronological order, right? The biggest one is the Netflix yeah. series. They don't go in chronological order for good reason. It kind of catches you the way that they started it. But we're going to honor each victim on each episode mm-hmm. and give them the time they deserve. So first, let's start with the Murdochs, since this is about the Murdoch family. Now, the Murdochs are a prominent family in South Carolina. Alec Murdoch's family including his great-grandfather, down to his father, served as a solicitor on the 14th Judicial Circuit from 1920 to 2006, which is an elective official similar to a district attorney. It's very connected to law enforcement, so that's important to know up front. It's considered one of the most powerful positions in South Carolina's justice system. So Alec Murdoch was a part of his law firm that his family founded, and he was a part of it as a lawyer. And they specialize in personal injuries, which is good to know up front. Mm -hmm. And I heard they're both sides of the fence, too. Defensive and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pretty much owned... The whole county. Yeah. More than that. Right. Counties around them. So there's Alec Murdoch and then Alec's wife, which was Maggie Murdoch. And then they had two sons named Buster and Paul Murdoch. And then somebody that we will talk about later is Alec's brother, Randy Murdoch. Not to overwhelm you with all the Murdoch names, but those are the main ones right now that we'll be talking about. 
So Stephen Smith was born on January 29th, 1996. He graduated in 2014 from Wade Hampton High School, which happened to be the same high school that Buster Murdoch graduated from, too. I don't know if they were in the same class, but they're very they close. Were- same class? Class. Okay. So Stephen was very smart, and he was a nursing student after high school, attending classes at a technical school about an hour away from home, where he lived in Hampton County, South Carolina. His friend said that he was gay and proud. To quote, she's like, he didn't give a shit what anybody thinks, which I think is super brave and commendable in the first place, let alone in the South. We live on the West Coast. I've lived in the Midwest. It is a different world over there. So his bravery is very inspiring to me. He was extremely smart and wanted to work his way up to being a doctor. He tutored kids in high school. Now, there was a rumor that he tutored Buster in high school. Well, they also played on the same baseball team when they were little as well. That's right. So everybody knew everybody. It was a really small town. Yeah. So... On July 8th, 2015, Stephen was found dead in the middle of a Hampton country road. So here's what he had when he was found. He had a seven and a quarter inch gash on his forehead, multiple skull fractures, partially dislocated right shoulder and blood in his airways. He had some minor cuts and scrapes and bruises on his hand. His head was warped. That's how hard he was hit. However, his phone was still in his pocket. His loose fitted shoes were on his feet. And the road was level, even though there was a cornfield on one side and woods on the other. There was no lights anywhere. Think about it. If you're walking on a road like that and headlights come your way, you're going to move out of the way. You're going to see them from a mile away, especially there, you know, where the roads are flat forever. And on the same token as a driver, if you drive up on somebody with your headlights on, you probably have your brights on because you're in the country with no lights. You're going to see them from far away, mm-hmm. especially when he landed in the middle of the road. Right. Somebody gets hit, they're going to go off to the side of the road. If it was a car, his shoes would have flown off and his phone would have came out of his pocket. And that's not me just speculating. That is scientific history that's been done by forensic. Well, yeah, and they even had a state trooper that arrived on the scene that has been on a lot of different interviews. And he's like, as soon as I got there and they said it was a hit and run, I told them there's no way because he's seen hundreds of car accidents. Well, the Highway Patrol, they're trained in accident reconstruction. That's what their specialty is. And he even mentioned that by the time he got there, it looked like the road had been blown. With a leaf blower. Oh. He said he was expecting to see something on the road, but yeah. it looks super clean. Yeah, there was no debris. No that debris was the other at thing. all in that area. No glass, which mm-hmm. there's a car wreck. There's always glass. You drive in traffic if there's a car accident, and even when all the cars are removed, there's glass. Right. They theorized that he was hit by a mirror mm-hmm. on the side of a truck. Yeah. And there was no glass in his face. Yep. There's, there's no, no glass, glass on, on the, the road. <laughs> Because even to get that kind of head wound, if it were a pickup truck, like they were theorizing in the side mirror or whatever, it would have had to been going super fast. It would have had to have not seen him. Right. And he would have had to not see them. Yeah. And when I was listening to interviews with his mom, she was stating that there was no way that he would have run out of gas and started walking. He would have called his sister. He would have called somebody to help him out yeah. because he's not the type that's just going to, he was skittish a little bit when it came to that. I mean, he is a young gay male in a very small town. 
And so he was weary about his safety. Well, yeah. And he wasn't stupid. He was extremely smart. Like his mom said that he was constantly reading books and he was going to school to be a nurse and he was tutoring other people. Like you said, he was not a dummy. Yeah. Toxology report. There was no alcohol and no yep. drugs in his system at all. Completely sober. So you can't even use that as an excuse of, oh, he was just fucked up. Yeah. One thing that I thought was weird is if he's walking, why did he leave his wallet in his car? Right. And his keys. Yeah. Why would he leave those there? He was found three miles away from his car, right. which was also kind of weird. Why would you leave your keys in it? Why would you leave your wallet in there if you're trying to go get gas? It makes me feel like if he did walk and he wasn't picked up or anything, mm -hmm. was he going to someone's house nearby? He also had mud on the bottom of his shoes. Oh, I didn't see that. You imagine you're walking for three miles on a road even if you had stepped in mud or something earlier getting out of your car if you ran out of gas that's going to be pretty much gone after walking for three miles i didn't know that that's a good little factoid mm -hmm. the other part was not only was the car located three miles away the gas cap was unscrewed so that's what led everyone to believe that he was out of gas i heard that they did end up testing to see if the car was in fact out of gas mm -hmm. and they came to the conclusion that it was because on the scene they couldn't start it and then they added gas to it and then it started oh okay i didn't but know i'm that. like that's such a backwoods way to test it like have the car towed mm -hmm. test the gas tank to see if it's actually empty right they did not take this investigation seriously it was severely mishandled there's so much to this and the reason why we're questioning if you haven't watched the documentary and you haven't done any kind of deep diving into this the Murdochs were like God in that county. They had parties yeah. where the judges and police chiefs and people would be flown in to come to these parties. With underage kids, Paul in high school and his girlfriend and all their friends would go there and they would get alcohol bought for them and be drinking and stuff. And right. And the alcohol thing, too. I feel like they thought they were God. Oh, yeah. Like they were above the law. They, they were, were above Scarface. everything. They were Scarface. I even heard that they had a little airport there. They had yeah. an airplane and a landing strip. And we can get into that later. Yeah. There was a lot of other things going on as well. Yeah. And in the Netflix series, when you do watch that one, the people being interviewed on that were like, yeah, people were scared of the Murdochs. People go missing when mm -hmm. they mess with them. And they're like, hey, I'm scared even now to be talking about this. That kind of goes to show in a big county, one family, how mm -hmm. much pool and influence they have. They were like Scarface. Exactly. And so when we're talking about the case and how it was mishandled, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. The time of death ended up later on being ruled out at 3 a.m. So that's another thing where I was like, 3 a.m.? Where the hell was he at? Because... Even when he took classes and he went and studied at his mom, she said, oh, he'll be at my house till like 1 a.m. and then go home. And then he had talked to his sister, said, I'll be back later, and then never came home. His sister had talked to him 12 hours before his body was found. So she didn't talk to him all night, but she did see yeah. him before he left. So in the afternoon, so around 4, because I think his body was found by a tow truck driver around 4. When he calls into 911, he's like, some kid's been shot in the head on the side of the road. Right. And that's the other thing. Everybody was so convinced that he had been shot and dumped because of the way he laid. There was no tire mark. If you hit somebody, there's going to be skid marks somewhere. Right. There was no tire marks mm -hmm. at all. Nothing. And the fact that he fell in the middle of the road, that truck would have had to swerve off the road and make tire marks. Right. Right. To hit him with the side of the mirror. 
And if that is what happened, then it was covered up either which way. Mm -hmm. Let's go over some facts. (laughs) There was no gunshot casings, bullet, residue. Nothing was found on Stephen or at the scene to do with gunshots, even though both coroners, all the police officers that had first initially got there and the person that found him were 100% certain that it was a gunshot wound. In fact, even when the coroners told SLED, which is South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, they were told not to come to the autopsy because it wasn't a hit and run. So they weren't even there. Whether that's because they didn't want law enforcement there because they were going to figure some shit out, or if they really were that convinced. We don't know yet. But also, on the other side of that, there was no car parts, no glass, no debris was found on Stephen or at the scene. That doesn't mean it wasn't a gunshot or a hit and run or whatever. That leads me to believe something was cleaned up. If it was a hit and run and he got hit by a vehicle, more than just his head would be affected. None of his body was damaged except for his right shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that's probably from landing. Yep. One of the theories is that somebody hung out a window, a moving vehicle, hit him with a baseball bat, Mm -hmm. which would kind of line up to that, possibly. Even though both coroners agreed and the police officer agreed and they told SLED not to come to the autopsy, that it was a homicide. In South Carolina, a professional doctor has to rule how that person died and why. Dr. Aaron Presnell ruled it a hit and run. And later when pressed about it by Sergeant Moore, she snaps and says, because there was no bullet or fragments and he was found in the road, she can only theorize that it was a hit and run. And then she continues to tell Sergeant Moore, it's not my job to know, it's yours. Which, hold on, bitch. (laughs) Yes, it is. It was really bizarre because he wrote in his statement that she snapped and what she said which is weird Mm -hmm. usually officials have each other's back in a professional manner and he was like no I'm putting this in here I think she was paid off yeah because he was saying well what makes you think that this was a hit and run and she said because the body was in the road yeah and I'm like really and he's like is there anything else to confirm that and she just kept coming back with the same answer well and then she got shitty with him was like it's not my job to know it's yours bitch yes it is what are you saying this is literally your job Stephen's mom even mentioned that the first time she heard that he had been shot mm-hmm. and the second time she heard it was a hit and run. Yeah. So that's what she was told. Right. Two different stories. So there's a ton that goes on to the mishandling of the case. We barely scratched the surface. And it's either on purpose or lack of giving a shit because he was a gay man in the South. I think it's both. I think he was treated poorly by people who maybe weren't paid off because they didn't give a shit about him. And I also think that there were people in key positions that have been elected in key positions over the many, many years that the Murdochs have had influence. They were in their pocket that were paid off. First, there was the back and forth on the reason for death with no historical evidence, which we just said. Sled was not in charge of the investigation. So this is crazy to me. So Highway Patrol was, which is crazy on so many levels. They're only equipped to do car accidents, reconstructions, nothing to do with homicides, first of all. Right. And then it was ruled initially as a homicide. And then it was like, oh, no, 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 it was a hit and run. So they get put in charge of it. But then for the next few years, until this case was reopened, They still ran the show interviewing people without any training as it was a homicide. It was so bizarre. In one of the interviews later on, one of the patrol officers is interviewing somebody. I don't know why. I don't know why he was the one interviewing because it's not his fucking job. But he goes on to say how I've been hearing that 
Murdoch's people are going around hushing everybody. But I'm letting you know that the reason why SLED isn't doing this investigation is because they're in Murdoch's pocket. And that name means nothing to me. Now, in interviews, police officers are allowed to lie to trick people into telling them information. Now, whether that was a lie I don't think so. I think he just forgot he was being recorded and just went off like, hey, here's a little thing. Like, I'm not in their pocket. You can trust me. I'm taking care of this. You can tell me. The other part is there was zero canvassing of the area. There was supposedly a house off the road. They never knocked on the door. They didn't check surrounding houses. They didn't canvass the area for five days. That is insane to me. When an accident happens, you canvass the area immediately. It's crucial in any investigation. I'm not an investigator and I know that. Mm -hmm. June 14th, five days after the death, Highway Patrol starts interviewing people close to Stephen. But why would they interview people close to Stephen and not people that lived around the area? Right? They're treating it like a homicide investigation. Right. The first person interview was this man saying he was Steven's boyfriend, which the family thoroughly disputes. He was paying for Steven's phone bill. I said, want to be sugar daddy. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like we have any proof that he was actually giving him money mm -hmm. or anything like that. He maybe paid his phone bill. Yeah. How much could a phone bill be? Listening to the interview with this man is hard because this guy... He's all over the place. He sounds like he's on drugs. Yeah. Or crazy he, or both. He does say that. He's like, well, I have memory issues and I have brain injury and I've done drugs in the past. Like, dude, are you high right now? Right. The fuck? He was self-proclaimed that yeah. he was his boyfriend. And I seriously doubt that that was the case. Yeah. Maybe Steven slept with him sometimes. Or just used him. Maybe never even slept with him. Like, yeah. you never know. They call them sugar babies where you don't actually sleep with them. You just keep them company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. We'll find out later. I know they knew each other. Yeah, they that, definitely knew each other. Yeah. He says he was the last person to text Steven. And that he says that Steven was saying that he was being harassed in town in a local store and he's being harassed by, I quote, some rednecks in a pickup truck. And all he could come up with in the description of any of the guys was one had a tattoo, which is super vague. Steven had told him his car had been messed with from those rednecks in the truck, that they'd been harassing him, that they messed with his battery, and that they loosened the lug nuts on his tires. When his car ran out of gas, his lug nuts were fine. His battery was fine. He was just out of gas. And then he kind of told on himself, because if these people messed with his gas tank or something, he was like, oh, well, Stephen told me he was running out of gas. Mark had also mentioned, he's like, I think they just put sugar in his gas tank. And I'm like, where are you coming up with all these ideas? Yeah. At the very end, he said the last time he talked to Stephen, Stephen said that he thought that he was being followed mm -hmm. by the rednecks. Mark said that he could hear a truck with mud tires coming up. So this guy's on a drug that's helping him go to sleep, right? He, I could hear the mud truck But tires. he knew that they were mud tires coming what closer. And he said, first, I heard a semi. And then I heard the mud tires. And I can hear him getting closer and closer and closer. And then the call cut out. Why is a semi on that? I just can't believe this smart guy. But he's in here because he's just, he's yeah. a part of this story, whether he's for real or not. Yeah. 
I was listening to him do an interview and he was like, I think it was the escort business because apparently Steven was an escort. That's what's rumored. We don't know if that's true or not. But this guy, Mark, who's I think like 50 years old. Yeah. Steven's 19. He's like 50. Yeah. And he's doing this interview and he's like, I think it was the escort service because Steven came over here and he told me that he needed to wax his whole body because the escort service likes for us that doesn't matter how old we are, whether we're 18 or 21, that we look like boys. Mark's like, I think that's disgusting and this and that, but I'm an empath. And as I'm listening to this, I'm like, you're talking about yourself, dude. He's saying how gross it is that these guys call this escort service and they're looking for young boys that look like they're not adults. But you're trying to say that you're Steven's boyfriend. Right. Yeah. He just rubs me the wrong way anyway. At the end of this, we're going to channel Steven and we're going to be asking him some questions. And Mark is going to be one of the people that we asked Steven about. Yeah. So we'll get more information, hopefully, from Steven about him and what the relationship actually was. Yeah, because when Steven passed away... Didn't he try to just like look at his body? Oh, yeah. He actually showed up to look at the body and he told the family members that he was Steven's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So they let him in to see the body. And he was like, oh, no, this wasn't a hit and run. He got beat to death. And everybody was just like, why would he say that? Right. You know, it was almost like he knew. He knew what happened. Either he was just crazy and out of his mind. And in his mind, he thought, no. They beat him to death. Yeah. Like that's what he thought. Or maybe that's what he actually knew happened. So we're not for sure on that yet. But I know he was totally in love with Stephen. Like, I guess he had even changed his profile. The inner relationship with Stephen, like two and a half weeks before (laughs) Stephen's death. Yeah. So he's definitely a person of interest. Yeah. But it seemed like he was trying to throw the investigator, kind of trying to throw him off because he could remember his birthday. He's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Stephen's birthday is January 29th. And the guy's like, I'm not asking you his birthday. I'm trying to keep this guy in focus. He even calls him out. He said, you remember that, but you don't remember this, which with investigators they talk about this when they're interviewing people one of the tells of someone that's lying or making up is they remember really insignificant details like eight steps to the front of their house or it's steven's birthday is this when you weren't asked that but you have really hazy memory when it comes to the exact times of when he talked to him because apparently the coroner said that steven's death was at 3 Mm a.m but according to mark he said that he had been texting and calling and talking to steven in the last call or text was around in parentheses 3.37 a.m. Why would you say 3.37? I would say 3.30. Mm-hmm. He's like, if my memory serves me correctly, it was 3.37. And that just sounds like a fucking lie. Right? You know, why would you say I have bad memory issues and then say if my memory's serving me correctly? <laughs> right. I think he was full of shit. Yeah. But sometimes people do that too. Not saying that he was a part of this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people try to implement themselves and over-exaggerate. For attention for attention or like how involved he really was in Steven's life. Yeah. So he could have been making some of that up. And he had also admittedly taken some kind of sleep medication. Yeah. So everything was kind of hazy. And then he was even like, yeah, I think he was on his way over to my house. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right, dude. Like... Right. Guaranteed he was not on his way to come see you. And that's the other thing. He says he's Stephen's boyfriend, but Stephen's family openly talk about how Stephen had been dating somebody 
secretly for months at that point, Mm -hmm. but had been very secret about it. And all he would say was, he's very prestigious and you'd be really shocked if you knew who he was. And he openly talked to this dude. So obviously he wasn't talking about Mark. And right. Mark's a fucking crackhead. <laughs> yeah, so he wasn't talking about Mark. And a lot of people theorized that he was probably talking about Buster, mm-hmm. who was Alec Murdoch's son. Yep. And they had gone to school together. They played baseball together. They were friends. Yeah. And he had also tutored Buster. And the night of the murder, Buster and two of his friends were at Buster's softball tournament and heading back around the time that Stephen was perceived to be killed. Where Stephen was found was 15 miles away from the Murdoch's Moselle property, and they would have had to go down that road to get home. Even though the Murdoch's were mentioned 40 times in interviews with these High World Patrol guys trying to play investigators, they were never talked to. They were never interviewed, not once. A lot of people theorize that that's the reason why the Murdochs were so involved, Alec and his brother, both attorneys, because they were protecting Buster. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot yeah. of people were thinking. Those are the rumors. Yeah. Stephen's family member went to the grocery store and somebody approached them, which is just such bad taste. I heard the Murdoch boys did it. From all the rumors, it's Buster Murdoch, not his brother Paul. So I don't know why they're saying the Murdoch boys. Stephen knows Buster and he tutored him in high school. The rumor was that they were together secretly and that they were going to come out to the family in the South and in Hampton County. Yeah, they were going to take a trip together. But all of those are just rumors yeah, just as rumors. well. So... Who knows? Yeah. Even if Buster was having a relationship with Stephen, I think that would be less of a reason for him him to to hurt him, to kill him, to do anything, to harm him. No, I agree. That didn't link up to me. I'm like, so he murdered him? Yeah. Because then the other story was that some boys hung out a a truck and hit him with a baseball bat, which I was like, okay, that makes more sense than him being hit with a car because no residue, no car parts were anywhere. Mm -hmm. It looked like it was a direct hit, so it would look like a bullet wound. Somebody in love with him wouldn't do that, even if they were mad at him. Yeah. And he would probably be fucking scared. Imagine growing up in a family of attorneys that their roots go so deep Mm -hmm. into the system. They have probably been raised with the fact if you do anything wrong, if anything happens, if anybody dies, if there's a hit and run, if you're drinking and driving, you have an accident, which was on the Netflix episode. Oh, yeah. That this is what you do. You don't call the police. You call us. Yep. Even if that was the case. And Buster's friends did that, like leaned out and hit him in the face Mm -hmm. uh, with a baseball bat. He would have known what to do. Yeah. Yeah, he would have. So no matter how bad he felt or guilty he felt or whatever he was actually feeling, Mm -hmm. that would have been instilled within him. But you know, all the rumors were that that's what happened. But none of the rumors said that Buster had been emotional or breaking down. And that's what would have happened if he witnessed that. So to me, it doesn't line up. Not saying it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of possibilities in this case. Because if that was somebody he was having a relationship and actually loved. Yeah, but at the same time, he's conditioned to put on a fake face in front of the public. Yeah, you don't know. You never know. So we're talking about rumors because there was a lot of them and that's where the highway patrol chased these rumors to try and get a lead. When this happened, Paul had just started dating this girl and she did an interview where she said, yeah, I asked Buster about it and he just kind of laughed and said, we wouldn't kill that F slur. 
I don't know if it was Buster or if it was his friends because it was him and his two friends that came back and everyone was saying they did it. So she was like, so what do you know about this? Blah, blah, blah. And they laughed and they called Stephen the Essler and laughed about it and said, we wouldn't kill him. That made me lean towards what if this was a hate crime? And not necessarily from Buster and his friends. Maybe it was the rednecks. It could have been. There's another rumor that he was beat up in a different place and dumped there, mm. which kind of lines up because there's no debris anywhere. In my mind, the way I think mm-hmm. is that they beat him up but- and they ended up killing him. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, fuck. Yep. What do we do now? And then they got there might hold. be some conspiracy there on if they were guided on what to do mm-hmm. or if they just, that's what they did. But there is something contradictory to that rumor is that the amount of blood on the scene shows that he had impact there, right? Mm-hmm. But that could have been doctored. Or you can still bleed. Yeah. You have a little bit of road rash. Uh, yeah. Not to the extent where it was like a hit. Yeah. But if he was just dropped and say the truck was going 10, 15 miles an hour and they threw him out of the truck in the middle of the road, Mm -hmm. he would get a little bit of road rash and the back of his head would probably bleed out. Or he was beat up in the truck and they dumped him while he was still alive and he died. Yeah, or something like that. And that's the other thing is when these officers were doing the interviews, names were given, but the notes went missing. Mm. So there was a lot of that where, oh, well, I have nine people saying this, but really there's only notes on three different interviews. So whether they were lying or just being incompetent or paid off, whatever. There was a rumor that Steven called Buster, but Buster was at a softball game. So that would kind of correlate to the fact of why Steven started walking and why Buster knew where he was at and all that. But it just doesn't feel right. If he was comfortable enough and friends enough and grew up with this kid enough and Stephen trusted enough to call him for possible help, I don't feel like he would kill him. So we kind of talked about rumors. Let's go over facts of why the Murdochs are involved. Okay, because we, the yes, because we already we, kind of mentioned the Murdochs names were mentioned 40 times in the interviews and no Murdoch was ever interviewed, which is insane because on one of the specials, Sandy's talking about the second phone call they received about their son was Randy Murdoch. And Randy Murdoch was like, I'll, I'll represent you for free. Right. And Randy Murdoch is Alec Murdoch's brother. Yep. Which is weird that he's like, oh, I'll do a pro bono case when he's actively working on an uh, injury case. For- yeah. So Joel is Steven's dad. And Randy was an attorney for him working on a case for Workman's Comp, right? Remember, we said at the beginning, their law firm specializes in injury. Think about it. So you have this attorney and he's helping you with a little small case for workman's comp, right? And then your son, in his mind at that moment, it's a hit and run. His son has just been killed, whether it's murdered or whatever. Yeah, He doesn't really know what's going on. And then he gets a phone call from his attorney that's helping him with a minor case. And he calls him out of the blue and he's like, hey, I want to help you. I want to be your attorney. And he specializes in injury, not murder. Right. That's weird. Yeah, that's super weird. And the fact that it was so fast. It was so fast. It was in like an hour or something like that. That's the other thing. After Stephen's body was removed from the crime scene, not only Randy, but Alec Murdoch was seen at the scene of the crime. Yeah, they were there. They were out there yeah. with all the cops and with the first responders mm-hmm. and everybody. And they're just standing there. Oh, in another interview, Randy came earlier than that trying to get pictures. And they're like, no, when we're done here doing our police investigation with our police pictures, you can come in. And they were like, that was really bizarre because... 
like he didn't need those pictures and even if he did he can get them from us which who are who are trained for this because at that time they're all on scene he was just trying to be nosy yeah that's what the officer said he was just trying to check out things and maybe get ahead of the game Mm -hmm. and they really did feel like they were above the law Mm -hmm. so even though they weren't letting anybody else they wouldn't even let sandy who's steven's mother Mm -hmm. on the scene but they're gonna let the murdochs right they're attorneys. They're not officers. None of that yep. shit. But they let them. Even with Alec and Randy's father, who was in the judicial system, which is really close with law enforcement, they weren't. Yeah. And why the fuck were they out there in the first yeah. place? Why would they even care? Why would they get their ass out of bed that early in the morning mm-hmm. to head down there? Exactly. And then offer to take the case. What case? Like at the time, nobody even knew really what it was. Yeah. If it was a gunshot, if it was a hit and run, what it was. The other thing Randy was asking for when he said, I'll take your case pro bono, what he was initially asking for. Well, I just need to get those electronics. Oh, yeah. That's I need to get, fucking right. Yeah. I need to get his usernames and his passwords to all of his accounts. What the fuck? Yeah, he was trying to collect information. Yeah. Why would you need in his phone as a lawyer? As a lawyer that has supposedly nothing to do with Stephen Smith, mm-hmm. doesn't even know Stephen. It's not like Stephen Smith is a big part of the family and goes on vacations with them. He's just a friend or an acquaintance, or yeah. we don't even know, with Buster. Yeah. So why the interest? I do know that when it comes to Stephen's clothes, they were put in a paper bag and left at the funeral home instead of taken into evidence properly, like they're supposed to be put in a sealed bag. I read a report that they said that he was wearing a white yes. shirt. And then an hour later, another officer arrived and he noticed that he was wearing a black Nike shirt. It's a really weird thing to get that wrong. Right. That's very specific. Mm -hmm. It's a white polo. They didn't say a white shirt because that could have been a sweatshirt, a t-shirt, a tank top shirt. It could have been anything. But he said a polo shirt. I didn't connect the fact that they might have changed his clothes. Either changed his clothes or maybe he had the black Nike shirt underneath And they took the white polo shirt off. Oh, my God. I didn't make those connections. Yeah, because imagine a white polo shirt. If you're in an accident, forensics everywhere. And there's going to be patterns and splatters. And it's going to give more information to the people that are looking for that. But then what the fuck happened to the white polo shirt that they originally said? They got his pants right. They got his shoes right. Oh, I didn't make that connection. I just thought that was alluding to the fact that the officers didn't give a fuck. So instead of taking his clothes into evidence, they put it in a brown paper bag, left it unsupervised. Isn't it supposed to be in a plastic Yes. <laughs> it's called breaking chain of custody. The chain of custody is basic procedure. It's protocol. Mm-hmm. It's not something that should be broken. And you're trained to do this. Yeah. So it's not going to be like you forgot. It's an every time thing. It's an every single time you do it this specific way. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. Yes. You're not going to just forget. Oh, I forgot that step. Let's put it in a brown paper bag like he's going to jail or something. Yeah. And leave it out for anybody to do anything with. And then what ended up happening with his clothes? They were at the funeral home all day with people going in and out. So even if they do find evidence in there, they can't use it if there were a case later down the road. So that makes sense if there was DNA on there from somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's gone. And then the other part is the phone bounced around between agencies and then disappeared. So nobody knows where the phone is right now? Not that nobody knows, but there's no reports on what happened to it. Also, there was a rape kit and a gun residue kit done on Steven. Right. Same thing. They bounced between agencies 
and no results are ever reported. So that leads me back to the fact, why was the state patrol doing a murder investigation when they don't handle Mm -hmm. murder investigations? And that leads me to believe that somebody was really fucking smart. Yeah. And was like, let's put it on them. And then we'll bounce it over here and bounce it over here. Yeah, that was done for a reason. Yeah, definitely for a reason. Actually, somebody did test Stephen's clothes, his shoes, his pants, his shirt. And they did find a tiny little bit of paint, a blue paint the size of a pencil tip. They said it was possibly an industrial tool. It could have been from a dumpster. It could have been from a specific car made by Toyota between a couple years or whatever. But because, like we said, the chain of custody was broken, it would mean nothing. So they could find a piece of paint that was the size of a pencil tip. But they didn't find anybody else's hair on him. They didn't find anything else on him, anybody else's blood. Yeah. They put in the notes that his phone wasn't in chain of custody, which means protocol was not followed, which means it could have been tampered with. And then they just transferred it to Highway Patrol and was like, well, Mm -hmm. out of our hands now. The other part about the rape kit and the bullet residue kit is that there were no notes mentioned. The results were not recorded and they were not mentioned in any reports. It's not even usual to do a rape kit. For a hit and run. Yeah. Well, because they were treating it like a murder investigation. And what happened with that evidence? Because that would show so much. It would show probably the last person that he was with, even if he wasn't raped. Yeah, exactly. He was probably with somebody that night. Yeah. You know, or in close contact and giving somebody a hug would transfer. He was gone all night and they couldn't find any DNA. Of anybody. Not saying that he had to have had sex with somebody that night. Well, no, just being around somebody. Just being around somebody, a hair fiber or something that wasn't his or his sister's or Or something that should have been on his clothes or something. Mm -hmm. But for that kind of thing to just disappear. And for there to be no forensic evidence of anything on you, it seems Mm -hmm. like you were cleaned. You had clothes put on you. Yeah, his shoes had mud on him. We were talking about mm-hmm. that earlier. And if he was really walking for three miles on pavement, mm-hmm. his they shoes were, yeah. wouldn't have been all muddy. Not at the bottom. Mm-mm. Sandy, Stephen's mother, got his car back. She went through that with a fine tooth comb. And you know what she found is a gate pass with her little boy's name on it. Mm. And so to talk about this gate pass, it was a gated community. And you have to go to the front desk. It's a security checkpoint. And you have to be like, hey, I'm Stephen Smith. I'm going to such and such house at such and such address. And then what the security guard does is calls up to the address and confirms that they're expecting this person. And then they print out a pass with their name on it so that they can get into the gated community. When she found that, she found it, I think it was the car door. Not anywhere hidden or anything. Hidden. It wasn't yes. hidden. It was just like out. It was very obvious they didn't go through the car. Oh, yeah. That makes you wonder because... Ugh, pisses me off. If they really, really went through the car and examined it, mm-hmm. they would have found that fucking pass. Oh, super easy. And then they would have been like, oh, what is this pass to? Yes. Let's go investigate this person. Yeah. But and they didn't do any of that. No. So. And Sandy, so what she did is she called the gated community the security checkpoint goes when was this printed and they had a record because it's that kind of community and so she tracked down the guy that he was going to go see and he ended up being an unnamed man that was just going through a divorce found steven online on craigslist yeah <laughs> did a one night stand fling and he was actually still texting steven after Stephen had passed because he didn't know until Sandy got a hold of him. But he was like, I did not see him again. I'm sorry. Just goes to show again how much 
they did not do their jobs. Just driving that home, he wasn't honored. He wasn't investigated like he should have been. I know, and it's just ridiculous because they're investigating it as a murder. But at the time, I guess they were saying it was a hit and run. Yeah, but they're following up rumors and stuff like, check the fucking car. Yeah, get DNA out of the car. Yeah. fingerprints and... Yeah, especially because they initially thought it was a gunshot wound. Check the car. I don't think it's that hard. Okay, if it was just one or two things, little Mm. things missed, maybe we could be like, okay, that was human error. Because that happens. You know, even surgeons who are top surgeons make a mistake every once in a while and somebody ends up dead. So even, you know, the most highly trained officers can make a mistake once in a while. And I get that. But at every single turn, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't add up. Yeah. There's no way they were that incompetent. Right. These things were strategically and purposely done. Exactly. So after all of the interviews, all the rumors... The only time the Murdochs were even mentioned was the last rumor that this kid said that he had heard that Buster Murdoch and his two friends came back in a pickup truck and hit him with a baseball bat. He named Buster Murdoch. Proctor, who was the person interviewing, just put in his notes that he called Buster, but his mailbox was full. Yeah, they didn't attempt very hard to get a hold of him. They're like, oh, he didn't answer the phone. I guess we're just going to leave that Everywhere in that town knows where they live. Exactly. Nobody went to the house, knocked on the door, called him in for an interview, nothing. Which is extremely telling on either how little shit they gave about Steven and their job Mm -hmm. or how how scared they were. Mm -hmm. Flash forward... Six months, November 24th, 2015, Sandy does an interview with the local news calling out a prestigious family. Now, they could not say the Murdochs Mm -hmm. because, you know, they'd get sued. But it was very obvious to everyone who they were talking about. And coincidentally, two weeks later, December 7th, there was a convenient anonymous tip. Right. There was this guy named Daryl Wilson. And he was the stepfather of this teenager who was around maybe a year or two older Mm -hmm. than Stephen Smith. And he called in with this tip. And he said that his stepson, Patrick, came to him super upset, crying, saying that his friend Sean Connolly had come to him in confidence and said that he had been drinking one night and he got really, really drunk and he was driving And he thought he hit a deer. Mm -hmm. So the next morning when he woke up, he went back out to the place where he thought he hit the deer. And he noticed that there was police officers and ambulance and first responders and everybody was out there. And he went up and asked one of the officers what happened. And the officer told him that a boy had been killed on that road. Patrick was confiding in his stepfather Mm -hmm. about what his friend had told him. And right after he got done telling his dad the story... Daryl told the officer, my stepson ran outside and threw up immediately. Basically, this is Patrick telling his dad that his best friend confided in him and told him that he was actually the one that did the hit run. And I feel like that's really coincidental. And everybody was saying because he threw up after he talked to his stepfather about what happened, that it just made it seem so much more real. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think I'd throw up after I told somebody what somebody else did. Yeah. I feel like I might throw up if I fucking did some shit. That's what I was thinking. And I accidentally killed somebody or purposely or took somebody's life. It would probably make me 
physically sick yep. to think to about even it. retell or think about that story. So much as I love somebody or have been friends with somebody, if I'm retelling a story of something they did, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to throw up. No, I would tell it in surprise mm-hmm. as in like, I can't believe this. Or happened. what do I do? I'm coming to my dad. Dad, what's your advice? Right. So later on in the interview, he's talking and he said, the reason why I came forward is because Randy Murdoch told me to. I forgot about that part. As we remember, Randy Murdoch is Alec Murdoch's brother. Yeah. And so for some reason, when the evidence started to get pointed in the wrong direction, all of a sudden, Randy Murdoch Mm -hmm. told this guy to call in the tip. Yeah. Then they go to say, well, let's see the truck. Let's see the side mirror. Oh, well, he repaired that. Mm -hmm. Also, if it was hit by a side mirror, where's the fucking debris? Right. Why didn't they find pieces of the side mirror? Even if he fixed his side mirror, where was the evidence on the road of it being his mirror? Yeah. So none of that makes any sense, right? If you really want to look into Sean and Patrick, I'm not saying they were bad kids. I don't know them personally. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at their records, Sean had multiple DUIs been charged with domestic violence in addition to a couple of other crimes. He was arrested multiple times. And then Patrick, during that time, was being represented by another attorney who was very close with the Murdoch family Mm -hmm. for three counts of attempted murder. Mm -hmm. That's what he was facing at the time when he supposedly came clean to his stepdad. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking maybe you did that and you're trying Mm -hmm. to blame your friend. And then later, all charges for both their cases were dismissed. Oh my God, that's right. Just randomly, they were dismissed. And they said that the judges were Murdoch-friendly judges, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck that means. It sounds like they're the Murdoch goons. That would make more sense to me because I don't want to get too far into the story, but I know there was like a landing strip and an airplane um, connected to Alec Murdoch's property, and it had been rumored by his own son that they would fly in girls and they would fly in drugs and pretty much anything you want would get flown in through there. So if they were selling drugs and, and having, having these parties. parties and having these big shipments of drugs come in and the Murdochs and Patrick and Sean didn't live too far from each other. Yeah, that's right. They so, live right down the road. Yeah, there Stephen was found was kind of in between the Murdochs and where Sean and Patrick were staying. And now when they try to interview Patrick, they said they couldn't get a hold of him either. The stepdad said, oh, he moved out and I don't know where he went. That's ridiculous. You're out on bail on three counts of attempted fucking murder and nobody knows how to find you to do an interview. So it makes more sense that maybe they were employees or runners or they were involved with the Murdochs. And then you have that Mark guy talking about escort service and they like them to look like little boys. And here's the Murdochs having girls, if not boys, flown in. Who knows what they were flying in. Yeah. And who knows what escort service in Hampton, Mm -hmm. where would that be except for the big ass parties that everybody knows? Oh, my God. I didn't even fucking think about that. Where there's drugs and alcohols and parties. Because it is a small town. Yeah. I seriously doubt that they have this big time escort service where they can find all these young looking adult boys. Yeah. So I had heard this story. There was an incident where a boat was sinking Mm -hmm. and the Coast Guard came out to Mm -hmm. see what was going on somehow. So apparently there was a guy who worked and was connected with the Murdochs Mm -hmm. and he was on a boat 
And somehow he saw that there was another boat in distress. Anyway, he goes over to investigate to see if these people need help because they're in distress. And there was 10 guys Mm -hmm. on this other boat. Apparently, the only information that we know about these guys is they were from Miami. Yeah. So he just randomly pulls up to this boat that's got 10 guys from Miami on it. Yeah. Right? In South Carolina somehow. Yeah, that's weird. Whatever. He gets them onto his boat because their boat is sinking. So by the time the Coast Guard gets there, they're kind of like a little bit investigating, but it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal because they just let him go. And, you know, he told the story, hey, I saw these guys in distress. I came over and rescued them. Well, they didn't check the boat to make sure there wasn't any drugs on there or anything. They just took the story on about their business. Mm -hmm. So we all know what that is. Yeah. They heard the Coast Guard was coming and they sunk the fucking boat after they got the drugs off. Like, duh. Years later, this same boat was raided and they found a bunch of marijuana and cocaine and stuff like that on the boat. And it was the exact same boat that they had been in contact with years previous. So they're flying people. They're flying drugs in. They got boat connections. People from Miami. That's all rumored right now, too, of like money laundering. Well, and there's so many fraudulent charges brought up connected to the Murdochs, which we'll get into a later episode. They're insane. That's where I'm coming from with Stephen's death being connected with maybe Patrick and Sean. Yeah. Because Patrick and Sean, both of them had a long list of criminal activity. Yeah. They seem like those would be the boys that you call when you want some dirt done. Yeah. Like if something's going down, you call Sean and Patrick. Here's another theory. What if when they're having all these parties and Mark is talking about, well, they like the boys to look young and Steven's talking about having to wax his whole body. What if Alec is involved with Steven and it's not Buster? Ooh. Oh, shit. <laughs> that I didn't even really even think about that before. Yeah. That Alec. would kind of make more sense, right? Why is he being so secretive? Older men and little boys, more or less. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's what's going on. No, but I think that's a really good speculation. Yeah. <laughs> a good theory. Stephen family says that he was being super secretive, that he was seeing somebody that was super prominent. And what if the prominent person was Alec yeah, and not Buster? Not, yeah, because Buster's not, I mean, he's up there. He's a Murdoch, but he's not the, he's not God. Mm-hmm. You'd be shocked if you knew. He was really private yeah. about his life. And when you hear his family talk about Stephen there, they said that he was just like so full of light and he had so much energy and he was so funny, but he was also very secretive yeah. about some parts of his life. Understandably. Right. Yeah. He wasn't the type of person that's just going to tell everybody's business either. Yeah. So that goes on. They go to interview those boys. Don't really follow up very much. And then there's an interview with a kid named Dario by the unqualified highway patrol officer. <laughs> I put that Because this really shows how unqualified they are. So he asked him what he was doing on a random weekend 11 months prior because he, it was like, oh, you know, Stephen Smith. And it was very... So who was this guy again? Dario was just somebody of interest that they were following up on. Okay, so somebody giving them a lead or something about him. I think it might have been one of the boys that was in the car with Buster, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So So this guy's name got brought up. Is he a teenager too? He's the same age as Stephen. Okay, they're all around the same age. Yeah. The highway patrol officer comes at him and he's like, well, Stephen was killed on a weekend. Stephen was not killed on a weekend. It was on a Wednesday. So we got that wrong immediately, which goes to show, A, he doesn't know what he's doing. B, he's not familiar with the information enough to even be doing an interview. And C, he's a highway patrol officer. (laughs) 
he doesn't know anything about interviewing suspects or possible okay. suspects. Okay. He kept being like, well, you know what you were doing that weekend? Because, you know, Stephen was murdered. It wasn't a hit and run. And it's like, what, what the fuck are you saying that? They can lie, like I've said before. But it was just really weird that he's like, this is a murder investigation. It's like It was such a bizarre interview. So what did the kid? He's like, uh, I don't know. I think I, I was working for my brother. I was working for my brother that weekend, which is the that weekend, first of all, was not when Steven got killed. And second of all, it was 11 months prior. Who the fuck remembers what they were doing on a random weekend? So do you think he was just scared? And Yeah, I think he was like, I don't know what you're talking about and just answering. And then the, the officer was like, uh, do you have a lawyer? And the kid was like, do I need one? He's like, no, I'm just asking. It was it was the weirdest interview I think what I've ever. Police officer <laughs> wants the person to lawyer up. I'm just asking, like a... wink, wink. Do you have a lawyer? Yeah, yeah. It was bizarre, and then they didn't follow up on anything after that. It just went cold, which is absolutely ridiculous. They had so many things they could have investigated further, and they just didn't. And here we are. So at the beginning of the episode, you talked about how Stephen channeled the song Mandy to you, and he's kind of been giving songs to you. And I haven't really felt him doing research until today. I was redoing the outline, and I was redoing it in a certain order, knowing how his family members, I'm getting goosebumps, how they would talk about how smart he was and how intelligent, how he's a tutor and he wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. I just really felt his energy being like, get this down right. I, <laughs> he was my driving force. And so I really felt him today. And I told you, I was like, girl, I've had this song stuck in my head all day. And it's, it's not the song. It's just literally the chorus or whatever. Oh, it says, girl, I said what I said. I'd rather be famous instead. I still don't know what I know it has to be from him, but it took me all day to realize it was. And you're like, I really felt like he liked music because he's been sending me songs, too. <laughs> yeah, he really has. His energy is super playful. It's funny because this is something new to me. Mm -hmm. Usually when I'm ready to channel somebody, it happens right there on the spot. But I'm trying something different now. Yeah. And so... I do feel like Steven has tried to come through a few times when I've been doing research because I've really been opening myself up. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I took so many notes and then I left my notebook at home. So I didn't even end yeah. up needing that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's been a, a challenge for me to not just connect with him mm -hmm. and pull on his energy away from this because I want this to be authentic. Yeah. So whatever happens on the air, right. whatever happens, it's authentically happening. I'm not channeling him ahead of time. And yeah. that's what I did in the last true crime when I channeled the Black Dahlia. And so I feel like that worked out really well. It did. Yeah. And I really like the energy of both of us here yeah. together doing that. Yeah. We're talking about the crime and what happened and then talking about our theories. Mm -hmm. We need to be yeah, authentic with that. Exactly. So I don't want to already have the answers of right. what's going on and then yeah exactly but he has been coming through and I have felt him I've yeah. heard his voice a few times yeah he has been sending me music but then I have to kind of be like I feel you I know you're there but we have hold to on. hold on baby yeah. I got you yeah when it's time tell me everything yeah because we want to honor you you know we want to hear you and honor and you. And so it's just like interesting to me because I've never stopped a spirit from coming through when they're yeah. excited and they want to share things with me for me to be able to say, okay, we need to just not right now. We're going to do it. I'm, I'm right here for you. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> Promise. So I'm really excited to see what he says. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. One of our traditions on doing any episode and our true crime crossover episodes are no different is we drink a tea in honor of what the subject is. And for this episode, is all about Stephen Smith. We picked out herbs together 
on what he would like. And so they had to do with spiritual connection to keep that line of communication open. And not he that, wanted the ginseng. And the, yeah, Saudi does not. I feel like not, high vibrational energy oh, coming yeah. through with him. Saudi does not do caffeine at all. And she was like, actually, yeah, put some ginseng in there. <laughs> She's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of, and then hibiscus. And I, I kind of heard this like, girl, I drank hibiscus before. I know what it is. I'm not stupid. Like, I don't know. I'm probably, but I don't, can't do accents. So. <laughs> but energy is definitely playful. And I, I'm sad that he wasn't represented the way he should. And I'm also proud of his family and Mandy for representing his memory and for fighting because, because his body was exhumed in June of this year. 2023. Yeah. And that was done because his mother never gave up and his father who passed away four months after he passed away. I think you had said you really feel like it's from a broken heart, but his family members say health conditions and his family all around and Mandy and all the listeners and everybody who's followed this case and putting money and stuff made that happen. It's really hard to get a body re Yeah, they did a GoFundMe. It's still going yeah. because they're still fighting. She still has an attorney that she's paying yep. and places going everywhere. And she's not taking a dime of that money. That's for her baby. Yeah. Putting it to where it wants to be. So anybody that thinks anything different, you know, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the hairs on my fuck arms you. are standing up. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's a mother's love right there. Yeah. Okay, so suspects, because I think we talked about this on a previous episode. Oh, so we did an episode on hexing, cursing, reversing, and all that. And we talked about if you suspect that someone's hexing you, you can write their names on a piece of paper, have a pendulum, and then it'll guide you to whoever it is. Well, here, we're taking that practice, and we wrote down all the suspects that we have throughout our own investigation and our own theories. I put wannabe sugar daddy Mark. He wishes. He's ick. He's so gross. <laughs> I put random hate crime on there because who knows? Buster Murdoch, Patrick Wilson, Sean Conley, one night stand in gated community because he didn't want to give his name, understandably. Alec Murdoch. And that's it. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get myself ready. And then when we come back from this quick break, we will be channeling Stephen Smith and we're going to get his side of everything. So first of all, I'm going to ask, Stephen, if you're here with us, show me yes. I'm using my pendulum right now, and it's a rainbow pendulum with a clear quartz crystal. Yeah, you said you thought he would like that one, and I agreed. It's beautiful. So the pendulum is going back and forth. It's showing the yes. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen, can you show me no? How would you like to relay no to me? It's going in a clockwise circular motion for no. And if you don't want to answer a question, show me, show me the pattern. It's just going to stay still mm -hmm. um, if he doesn't want to answer the question. Okay, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. So what we're going to do first is we are going to narrow down a few questions on the paper. Are you okay with that? He is saying no. No, he doesn't want us to narrow it. He says no. Um, maybe ask him if it's because he wants to tell a story. Because if we do the pendulum, mm -hmm. 
He doesn't want to answer that question. <laughs> okay, so I'm putting the pendulum down right now, and I'm just going to channel yeah. Steven's energy, and maybe we can ask a few questions. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I think he's very particular on how he likes things done. When I was taking my notes, he's like, you need to do it this way. Do it right. Mm. So if he wants to communicate a different way, then just let us know. <laughs> so right now I'm feeling... A heaviness in my chest. Um, and even though earlier we were feeling the light, free-spirited energy of Stephen, right now I'm feeling a lot of sadness and a lot of heaviness. He's showing me images of him and his sister, like... I keep thinking of Jasmine. Maybe that has some significance. He's feeling that he just feels like he abandoned his sister in a way that she was the other part of, he was the other part of her. And he's showing this strong, and they're twins, of course, so they're going to have this. Oh my God, I didn't realize that. He's showing me that he told her he'd never leave her. You know, that he'd be there forever, and he feels like, even though it wasn't his fault, that that his heart still beats for her, and he's still with her. Just showing me images of them being, like, little and, like, taking a bath together and doing everything together. And he's just really pushing through the energy of that. He knows the loss and... I'm not sure he's showing me like an image of like a little boy. So he's saying that that is his connection with his sister is the little boy. Oh. Okay, so he's saying it's his nephew. Sorry, I'm getting new information. I, I've looked online about his sister and I haven't found very much information I, so maybe I she has a son I didn't know he was a twin I should have mm -hmm. yeah, I knew he was a twin so I'm getting the message right now that he is saying that he is very connected and he's still very much a part of this child's life that he's showing me a family member or his sister has a child uh, we'll have to do some more <laughs> research yeah. on that and find out exactly what it is but and he's saying she knows. He's just showing me a picture of this little boy that looks just like him. And so he's still connected. Watching out for him. Mm -hmm. He says that his dad, that he got to see his dad briefly in the afterlife, but his dad has moved on. Oh. He's just got this, uh, this way about him. He's like, no, but it's good. Like, and he's, he's showing me an image of that just because he isn't here in this dimension anymore doesn't mean that he gave up on his dreams. He is still, he is helping other souls in so many different ways. He's helping them here. He said that he's actually... He's helping souls that feel unloved here on this plane to learn to love themselves. 
And he says he's proud of his mom, of course. Okay, so, all right, the energy is shifting a little bit. It's not as heavy. He just wanted to get that out. He says that a lot of the things that people are saying are mm -hmm. bullshit. And it all revolves around him being gay, and he hates that. And he hates that he's connected to the Murdochs. <laughs> he does not like it at all. He's like, I'm my own energy on my own thing and I just he dislikes the fact that it's connected to the Murdochs so heavily that mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be connected with that yeah energy at all oh I see mm -hmm. he wants it to be completely separate but he's like it's so tied in now that it's kinda, it is what it is it's kind of like he wants to not be seen as a victim but as a survivor in a way uh, he's just like he hates that is that it's stephen smith murdoch like yeah. everything that you look up everything connected to it is connected with that and his name is now tied in with the murdochs and he's like i don't like that shit yeah you know he's like i don't like that okay so he okay i get it He's saying that he knows what happened, but he said that there's no way that he's going to tell us before his mom finds out. But he feels like his mom is going to find out. She's going to find out. He's basically saying if my mom was here right now, I'd tell her. <sighs> he can't give that, out that information until his mom knows. So he said, if my mom was here, I'd let you tell her what I'm saying. But she ain't, oh. here. she ain't here right now. And so he's very protective of his mom. And she's worked so hard, obviously. Yeah, to get and I get that. And I, get I, I almost want to say I'm sorry for even... That's why he didn't want to do this pendulum and point out the person. He said, there are some things that I can tell you. Yeah. He said it was a hit and run for sure. Hit quotation hit, marks. Hit. hit and run. Um... He said he's made his peace with um, Buster. I'm trying to focus in on the exact words that he's using. I'm asking, did he know what happened or was he a part of it? And he said he gets the gist of it. He knows the gist of it. So he said that is one thing that he can say, that Buster has knowledge of what happened to him. And that rules him um, out as the person. Mm -hmm. Which we didn't think it was anyways, but... And I just, I want to ask a question. It's okay, Stephen, if you don't want to answer this. I just wanted to know if you would let me know if certain people might have been involved in it. It could potentially help your mom in the right direction. Right. Patrick Wilson. He's very clear that Patrick Wilson. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. He said, yeah, I'll give you that one. Just to be clear, that's a hard yes. It, yeah, my pendulum is... Swinging. Mm -hmm. What about Sean? He doesn't want to answer about Sean. Yeah, it went still. Mm -hmm. But when I asked about Patrick, I'm still <laughs> holding the pendulum right now. And um, it's swinging when you said Patrick. As soon as I said Patrick, there's he's nodding his head yes, but he's not going to go too much farther into that. Yeah, he's um, like boundaries. Mm-hmm. Can we ask about Alec? I'm going to ask about Alec. What would you like to ask? 
can we ask if Alec had anything to do with it? He says yes. It's swinging. Mm-hmm. I want to honor his mother and not right. push too hard on that subject. And I didn't even really think about that before we started channeling. Um, I didn't think about it either, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All of my hair is standing up because mm-hmm. it's beautiful that he's right. like, no, my mom works so hard on yeah. on this. She deserves to know first. Mm-hmm. And he says that his mom feels him mm-hmm. all the time. She hears his voice. She feels it when he's there. And she talks to him all the time. Mm-hmm. As she should. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's any other messages that he wants to talk about. He's just kind of shaking his head about all the rumors and yeah, and the things like that. And a lot of people want to say that he was an escort and a sex worker and it was all about that. But he's like, there's so much more to me. Yeah. You know, than just that. Can we ask, were him and Buster involved romantically or sexually, I guess? He's very close. Yeah, he's like, um, I don't want to answer that. Yeah, he doesn't want to answer that. <laughs> that's okay. You don't... Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. But he was saying that, that he's made his peace with Buster. He's showing me that Buster and him have come to an agreement. He actually feels Buster on a, on a deeper level than anybody could imagine. He sees his anxiety. He sees his depression. He understands the mental abuse that he was raised in. And so he's showing more so that he is comforting Buster mm-hmm. rather than I'm not feeling the feeling of him being annoyed with him or angry at him for anything. Um, even though he was like, yeah, he knows what's up. Like, he knows the gist of it is the exact word that he used. What about Mark? Oh, he's rolling his eyes. He's about to get an attitude <laughs> oh, about Mark. Oh, what about Mark. the wannabe sugar daddy? I got to know okay. about this guy. <laughs> um, let's see about Mark. Can you tell me anything about Mark? <laughs> he's like, that's just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> She yeah. pulled the pendulum up and it didn't move. It didn't and move then at he all. Said, he's like, he, he's, he's sassy. He's got yeah. like this little. Um, didn't I say that earlier? Yeah. I, I, wish, I feel like he's I sassy. wish you guys could see what I'm seeing. Um, just his. Oh my God. That's so embarrassing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because when he's you're not. When you're living your life, you're like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that's just a dude. But then yeah. it, his whole story blew up. Okay. What about. The dude in the gated community was that. Oh, he said, "Girl, he was fine." Ooh, yeah, he liked Yeah, him. he was in a gated community nope. too. Yep, he was like, "Yeah, he he was fine as fuck." He was trying like, to hit you up again too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he liked him, and he didn't. I didn't. We didn't think he had anything to do with it either. Mm-mm. So it wasn't a random. Hate no, crime. he said no. Oh. He said he was respectful. He was nervous. He was yeah. It was. Not a horrible experience at all. It was a good experience. And he's saying there are so... He's telling me right now, and he just wants to say this, that you would be surprised at how many of those straight boys weren't really straight. Um, I hear that all the time. So from, he's, very, from he's very adamant about that. A lot of people praise him for being one of the only gay people in the community and stuff like that. But he didn't really feel... He would get teased and picked on and stuff in public, mm-hmm. but then these same people 
would in private come back around yeah be a completely different person Mm -hmm. around him and even he's been apologized to by some of these guys like hey sorry i just didn't want anybody to think anything he said there was quite a few people that you'd be surprised (laughs) when it comes out he said it is going to be coming out and things are going to be coming out to the surface it's kind of what he's holding on for he says that it is draining for him to still be connected to this and Even though he is in a higher vibration, he didn't go to the same place that his dad did. He was able to stop and talk to his dad for a short period of time. Their energies were allowed to reconnect. And then his dad ended up, his exact words are his dad moved on. So I'm not sure exactly what that means, if he reincarnated or Mm -hmm. if he went to a different level or what that is. But his dad is not with him right now, but he's okay. But yeah, Stephen is saying that he just really wants the closure And then he'll be able to move on. Yeah. In my head, I was thinking rest in peace. He's like, I'm not resting in peace for shit. (laughs) (laughs) He says he's not resting in peace. Um, But he does feel a strong pull Mm -hmm. to the sadness, to the pain. And he's got other things to do. He's got a mission. He's really excited that this is all coming to light. And his mom is going to find out the truth. Mm-hmm. about what really happened to him and he said the only hint he could give me is the it was a hit okay. and then run i have a question so he's, he's putting emphasis on the hit part like it could have been not necessarily a car right he's not saying that it was a car he uh, said, was it a car he's definitely saying no he did not get hit by a car he said i didn't run out of gas either I didn't run out of gas. You know, that's something I was going to bring up during us talking was, I was like, he's way too smart for that. He's talking about the gas had been siphoned. Okay, so when Mark said people were messing with your car, was that true? No. Was he lying because he's been paid off? No, nobody paid him anything. Was he just wanting attention, boy? Come on. Um, Yeah, he's saying that, yeah, Mark's just embarrassing. (laughs) That's all he has to say about Steven, that. I love you. <laughs> um, the atmosphere is getting heavy again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to breathe. It was not a hit and run from a car. He says that there's some things that he can talk about and mm-hmm. some things that he just can't talk about yeah. right now, even though he wants to. He said he wants to communicate. But at the same time, he's trying to be real respectful of his family. Yeah. He said earlier um, somebody else was in the car with him. And that's all I can say. I I can feel that he really wants to go farther into that, but he was not alone in his car. That nothing is what it seems. Does the new autopsy bring to light the murder weapon? No. No. Mm-mm. He's real shy about talking about that. Um, I, I, I get but you it. could tell it was yeah. kind of like he wanted to answer the question. He's like, well, it's going to bring more light to the situation is what he's saying. But yeah. it's not going to really like say what the murder weapon was. Right. Because he wants us to work out to where his mom finds out first. Yeah. And I get that. Right. He was like, if my mom was here right now, I'd tell you everything. <laughs> Sandy, if you're listening. Right. We'll do a follow up with you if you want to. He said my mom, his mom is, um, she's religious and she believes in her faith and yeah. her faith has carried her through this. He's saying, mm-hmm. he said, but when it comes to him, she would be open-minded. 
to that. Before you even said that, I thought his mom believes in her faith. Oh, yeah, definitely. And her faith has carried her Mm -hmm. through this and given her strength. And he said people don't really talk a lot about his dad, but his dad was a huge supportive part of his life. He's super proud of his mom and stuff like that, but he just, he feels like his dad hasn't gotten the recognition yeah. that he deserves. And so he feels bad for the way that that like, played out with his dad. But he does want to say that he's glad that he got the chance to connect that he did. Yeah. And that his dad has been able to move on. He's daddy's boy, too. Oh, <laughs> That's what it seems boy. like, yeah. Like he had a lot of love for his dad. Let me ask if this was a hate crime. Okay, yeah. Because that was one of the things that I was um, wondering about. Was this a hate crime? He says no. I asked, did the new autopsy expose what the murder weapon is? And you said no. But the new autopsy, is that leading your mom down the road to discovering the truth for herself? Yes, he says eventually it's going to take a little more time than they thought that it was going to mm-hmm. take. It should have been moving along faster, but he's saying there's a reason for it. And so to anybody that's listening, to anybody that's been following this, to mm-hmm. anybody that loves Stephen and is connected to him in that way, he's saying just be patient. The truth is going to come out. Well, even for his autopsy, it was back in June and it's October now. Yeah, and he said things aren't what they seem. But he's definitely saying, he's like, he's so, he's laughing, so I'm laughing. And it's just like the whole thing about him, like, he's like, what was I supposed to do? Like, see a car coming and put my head out sideways? And (laughs) he's like, you know, whatever, like, in what world, this is kind of what he's saying, he's like, in what world would I ever be? In that situation. Right, where I get hit where by, I a, get side hit by a side of a mirror of a car. Yeah. Like, he's like, hello. Like, I'm smart. Anybody that knows me <laughs> knows that's a damn lie. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. He's like, yeah, so that would never happen. It did not happen. Yeah. And it's just funny to him that people would even think that that's what happened. Other Let people. me just stand here in the middle of the road and let this car hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, or and be- he's like, in my face. Yeah. He's like, my, he's like, <laughs> it's really funny because he's like, my face was my everything. Oh. Like, he loved his face. He's like, I'm not just going to put my face out there. Like, <laughs> oh my God. He's, he's like, like, what that's are you all ridiculous. thinking? Yeah. yeah. He's like, that's what real. we thought when I was like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. So this- anybody listening just know that. That's not what happened. <laughs> but it's interesting that he did say that Patrick Wilson. Yeah. And then the Sean Connolly, he wasn't. Um, no comment. Hmm. And then he said Alec had something to do with it as well. Yeah. I have a question. I know he's probably getting tired. No, of... he's actually okay right oh, now. Okay. I, his energy feels very neutral okay. right now. Does Alec have anything to do with the escort service? And again, just asking questions that could possibly lead. He does not want to answer that that question well, which is fine. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. But like he's saying, he's like, there's some things I can say and just some things that I can't say right now. Mm -hmm. 
He's like, but you uh, might not be on the wrong track. He says right track, wrong train. Oh, if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to. But does Patrick Wilson have to do anything with the escort service? I don't even need my pendulum. He, he said no. His head, no, no. I don't think that has that. anything to do with it then. It's really crazy because he's got such high energy. Yeah. Usually mm-hmm. by now I would start to feel a pull away yeah. um, energetically when I do mediumship. But he's been right here with us the whole time. He's like, he's... girl, I've been planning for this all week. <laughs> I've been right. saving my energy. I don't feel that from him at all. He's very, his energy is chill right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just having a casual conversation. Did Patrick Wilson have anything to do with any of your direct family members? He's not answering that either. Nope. He's not saying no. He's not saying anything about it. I don't think he... That's okay. That leads me to understand more. (laughs) He said, this is not how I wanted to be remembered. I can't. He's like, this isn't how I wanted to be remembered. No. You know. um... But he's really playful. Like, he he shows me that he still messes with his mom. (laughs) He still messes with his sister. And he just still has this really strong family bond. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps showing me this little kid, too. This little kid looks right. just like him. Yeah. I'm not sure who he is. Like Now, Stephen, I know you said somebody was in the car with you earlier, and you're not going to talk about that. And I want to respect that. Can you tell us what you did that night? I'm asking if he knew who he was going to meet up with. And it's a strong yes. He won't tell me who he met up with. Yeah. I tried to ask him, was it Patrick Wilson? And he got quiet. Yeah. But he said that, yeah, he he went to meet up with somebody. Can I ask if it was planned? What they did to you was planned? Yeah, he can't answer any of that. My gosh. I get it. Yeah. He said that he definitely met up with somebody that night. He was in the car with that person for a little while. Or he's showing me that somebody else was in the car with him. Was the person you were in the car with the person you were planning to meet up with? Yes. Did that person drive your car? He's smirking. He's like, he sees you. He's like, I see you. You're trying to. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying. I'm trying to be respectful, but no, that just popped okay. in my head. He, he's not mad about it. Yeah. Um. That possibly saying no. Okay. Um, but he said, I see where you're going. I know. With I'm this. sorry. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just thinking, were they driving your car? Because he was three miles mm-hmm. from his car. And oh, he said he didn't walk no three miles. Yeah. That... He said, I didn't walk no three miles. Anybody that knows me knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to walk three miles. Yeah, and... He did not walk three miles. Oh, ask him about a shirt. Your white polo shirt. Were you wearing a white polo shirt that night? Yeah. Steven, I just want to say I'm really I'm really impressed by your stamina on this reading cuz like you said, usually they have to pull back and I'm trying to think of all the questions that yeah, he hasn't I can't pulled resp- back yet, but he's very strategic on um he's smart. What he can Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> that's that's I I don't want to I don't want to cross any boundaries. Any questions we had throughout the episode that we thought to ask him, I don't want to miss any. It is weird that the wallet was left in the car. Yeah, he says that's a part of it. His wallet being left in the car and his keys. 
Yeah. He didn't walk no three miles. And he didn't run out of gas. Yeah. He said he can he can talk about that. Yeah. Did you leave your car where it was found? Why the fuck? Did somebody else drive your car there? He says yes. Someone else drove his car there. And then they siphon the gas. Or siphon the gas first and then Well, it would make He sense. said, Yeah, they siphon the gas. Did they siphon it after they, they left it where they left? He's not answering. Yeah, okay. Sorry. That's so, probably too much. Yeah. Are the police He says he's done oh okay yeah sorry i don't he's nodding his head no right now okay and that's okay that's fine he has so many questions i just want to give my gratitude yeah and thank him for coming through and being with us and giving yeah. us his time and even his energy he, and speaking with us even though he's wanting to save the answers for his mom mm-hmm. is there anything that he wants to say that he hasn't yet I'm smiling right now. You guys can't see me, but his energy that's coming through, he's very, it's not the energy of vindictive, but it's almost like, bitch, you fucked with the wrong one Mm -hmm. kind of energy. Confident. Confident. And the fact that if you're listening Mm -hmm. right now, you're not getting away with this shit and I will see you again. You might think you got away with it, but you didn't. Yeah. Kind of vibration. You develop that kind of karma. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't escape. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps going back to his dad. He's like, it killed my dad. Mm -hmm. And it took a part of my mom and a part of my sister and his friends and people that loved him and the lives that he would be able to change if he was still here. Yeah. You know, they took that from him. And he's saying they. So he's like, and they know who they are. They know who they are. And it's just one thing after another since he's been taken and he has his hand in that and he wants them to know that. Definitely, he's showing me, like, this isn't coincidence that the chain has been broken. He said he's got his hands and his energy, and he's nodding his head yes, and he's just kind of shrugging his hands. Like, he's still attached to everything. Every time something happens that's connected to that, he feels it. But he said, I feel it. I feel all of it. You know, he's saying that every time my mom cries, every time my sister cries, every time... Somebody who doesn't even know him cries for him because he says that happens a lot. He goes to them. How does he feel about, last question about the Murdochs, how do you feel about Alec being in jail right now? He wants to answer that question so bad. I just heard in my head, I don't give a fuck about yeah, him. No, he but... <laughs> he really wants to answer that question. Um, I'm not trying to sneak out. Yeah. Answers from that. I just was wondering. Yeah, he's like, you're sneaky. Uh, you're sneaky. I'm not trying to sneak answers. Yeah. That's what I felt. Yeah, I'm not. He's I, just kind of like, mm. I just wanted to hear his sass about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> like, yeah, that he, guy. he's staying pretty um neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About that. He's <laughs> sneaky. Right. <laughs> I'm just curious, but I also, I, I want to, I want to be respectful. But he just wants people to know that, you know, he's not, he's not done yet. His light is still shining. They didn't take his light from him. They just dispersed it in a different direction. It's a beautiful he's light. now between worlds. Oh, and that's what, oh my gosh. So he's like, uh-huh. 
So oh, the song, the song. Mandy. So in the very beginning, when I was okay, yeah, he's like, see, like, um, he's like, I'm standing on the edge of time. That was also a message in the song Mandy mm-hmm. that he sent to me in the very beginning when I was like, okay, where do I start with this research about this kid, Stephen? Yeah. So I feel like me and him are bonding more right now yeah. as well. He's like, girl, I've been trying to talk to you all week. <laughs> yeah. He has and he hasn't because he said sometimes like in my research and he said there's a reason why I didn't bring my notes. Oh, yeah. yeah he didn't want me to have some of them. He said sometimes I was going down the wrong path with my notes anyway and some of the research that I was doing that just didn't matter. It didn't really relate, even though it seemed like it fit, because he said a lot of times what people are doing is there's so much secretism Mm -hmm. and so much hidden and so much fear. And there's a little bit of truth mixed in with a bunch of bullshit within that whole paradigm of what Mm -hmm. goes on down there that some of the things, yeah, they make sense that they could be a piece to the puzzle but he's like that was irrelevant we're not going to talk about that because that doesn't have anything to do with it Mm -hmm. and so I guess there was certain things that I wrote in my notes that he's saying that didn't even matter yeah I've you've never once forgotten your notes and I've been researching all week different you know and then when I got here without my notes I'm like I guess it doesn't matter and I almost felt like that was a message from you. Well, yeah, because when I was like, let's go drive to your house. Something stopped me because you were like, well, let's run to your house and go get notes. I'll come with you. And I felt like this heaviness on my shoulders. And it was like, no, mm-hmm. like you're fine. You don't need your notes. Yeah. And so he's confirming that. Right now. Like, yeah, bitch. It's like, Omni got it. Yeah. Yeah, because he's been driving me insane all day right. with it <laughs> in a fun way, though. So I took a ton of notes on my phone. And then I was drawn to organize them a certain way. Thank you, Stephen. And even when we were talking through the episode, I kept having to tell Saudi, like, hold on, it has to be presented this way. And we're never like that. It was really weird when I was writing my notes, too. I have dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And I've also been a waitress my whole life. So I know how to take shorthand, right? And as long as it makes sense to me and I know what I'm reading yeah. or what I'm writing down, then it doesn't matter. But if anybody else was to come and look at my notes, they'd be like, this is a bit stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, so I was writing the notes and it almost felt like I was getting like looked over my shoulder. Oh, you spelled because I was spelling Stephen wrong. And I kind of got, got told yeah, that. Same, and he's like, I, there's a pH in there. And I can yes. hear him. And so, like I was saying earlier, it's kind of been an interesting mm-hmm. correspondence with Stephen. And I'm so glad that I was able to openly let yeah. him in right now. Because I'm used to just doing mediumship and connecting and talking. And then I was having to stop oh. myself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And I think he caught on to that too. And oh, he wasn't yeah, like smart. pushy or anything like that with me. He was just like, can you spell my name right? No, or can you spell this right? Or, or, you know, little things like that. And then I found out he was a tutor and he was like really smart and yeah. stuff like that. But he was kind of funny about it. That's so funny. At the same time, so he had his humor. It wasn't wow. like he was being a dick. When I was writing my notes, you know how I always write, I write everybody's names, like how I'm supposed to say it. So if I misspell the crap out of it, it's because that's how I'm supposed to say it. And with Steven, even though I wanted to put the V, I was like encouraged to be like, no, that's a PH that still gives that still gives the same sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So even though he was not trying to come through as heavy 
mm-hmm. as he is right now. Just different music and different songs. And I feel mm-hmm. like he just loved music and yeah. he liked to dance and like be silly, but he could also be super serious when he wanted to be. But yeah, I can feel him starting to pull yeah. um, away right now. Just like, thanks for the love. Thank you for the energy. He's thankful. Mm-hmm. He just is very grateful showing his gratitude for all of the support that he's had and all the love. Mm-hmm. And he returns that back to you. And he's saying, there are no mistakes. He's saying that for some reason. He's just like, let me spell no... however I want to spell then, Stephen. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he doesn't want people to feel like they're a mistake because there are none. We're all made in the divine image. That's just his message. That's his gift. That's been from day one. Yeah. And so he's just basically whether I'm here or I'm here <laughs> or I'm there, it's, it's the same message that he that he maintains that vibration. Yeah. Yeah. His high, like his vibration is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like sunshine. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Peace out. I feel like he's right here. Can you feel him right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna burn some ancestor money for him. Oh yeah, you have some. Yeah. Oh, I okay, do. cool. Stephen, we're gonna send you some ancestor money. We're gonna give you some energy. Yeah, we are. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up part one of our true crime crossover episode, all about Stephen Smith. Make sure you stay tuned to part two of our true crime crossover all about Gloria Satterfield. We are going to give her her own episode so that she gets the time and energy that she deserves and we can tell her story. If you want to follow me and Saudi, check out our link tree in the bio or check out Saudi's personal products or book a free consultation and reading at her personal website at sacredflame.love. And also don't forget to keep your minds open. Namaste.